Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the TR90 Body Burn 30 support call. This call happens Monday through Friday at this time, which for me is 6.40 in the morning Pacific time. Adjust it for your time zone. If you ever miss any of these calls, you can pick them up on Sound, S-O-U-N-D, Cloud, C-L-O-U-D, put in Frank, F-R-A-N-K, Lomas, L-O-M-A-S, and TR90, and these calls will pop up. Um, They're now archived back nine plus years, and... Um, there's just a wealth of information in there, um, particularly if you find the ones that have Renee Cole. She had a lot of recipes and great ideas for various different holidays and things that we could do that would help support those TR90 lifestyle with some recipes, um, ideas of how to celebrate without including food into that um, holiday. For those of you that don't know who I am, I'm Susan Mann out of Portland, Oregon, and I'm welcoming you to this call. Um, that TR90 program, when you first start out, it's that really good, clean, lean meal a day, two shakes a day, three snacks a day, 30 grams of protein at at least three of those meals. Um, if you're a very large person, you may want to add more grams of protein per meal or add a fourth meal that has um, 30 grams of protein at it, or in it, rather, and drinking plenty of water to stay hydrated, which is another key component of this program. And the current thinking is at least one ounce of water for every two pounds you weigh. So if you weigh 100 pounds, you should be drinking a minimum of 50 ounces of water daily. Um, Water does many things like clearing out toxins and um, keeping you hydrated, helping you to look younger. So it is one of those things that we should be doing anyway. If you live in a very humid area or if you're exercising heavily, you will probably need to make sure that you include um, or increase your number of uh, ounces of water because you'll be losing more then you'll be taking in, and that is, it is really important to stay hydrated because hydration will mask itself many times as a, um, as hunger. And so a lot of times what I do is if I think I'm hungry, I will start out with an eight-ounce glass of water, wait five minutes, see if I'm still really hungry, and if I am, then... Um, take a look and see what my food options are at that point. Or if I've got a specific plan for the day, making sure that I'm sticking to my plan. 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise is also one of the key components because this is a lifestyle change. It is not you do this once and you're over and done with it. It really is a lifestyle change that actually is beneficial long-term which is why you want to make sure that you're making these changes and making them for good rather than um, just thinking, oh, well, when I'm finished with this, I can go off this and I'll still have all the benefits. doesn't quite work that way, as is true with most um, lifestyle and diet changes. Once you make the change, you might want to make, think about making it long-term and permanent. Getting seven to nine hours of rest daily is another key component to this program. 
um, that sleep actually um, one of the other books that I've uh, shared information with you out of talks about why it's important to get that sleep because that sleep if you're not getting adequate sleep that could really mess with your decision making skills and undermine um, what you're trying to do making sure to get your supplement 15 to 20 minutes before a meal if at all possible. If it's not possible, do take them with your meal because it, it will they'll still work. They're just not as effective as they would be if you were able to take it 15 to 20 minutes before your meal. Seven plus servings of fruits and vegetables every single day. Um, Three reasons for that. One is you're getting micronutrients, you're getting macronutrients, and you are getting fiber. Fiber is one of those things that, as a lifestyle change, is a really good thing because it keeps things moving through your system and keeps your whole bodily uh, digestive system um, very healthy because that fiber does clear things out. And for most of us, we should be getting somewhere between about 36 and about 40 gram, 45 grams of uh, fiber daily. So that is another reason why it's really important to have lots of fruits and vegetables and get that fiber. With that being said, I am always looking to find information to share with you that will help support the TR90 lifestyle and give us some of the reasons why we're doing what we're doing. And this particular book that I'm sharing some information out of, it goes into some of the political and scientific reasons why our program works so well. And it's called Fat Chance, Beating the Odds Against Sugar, Processed Food, Obesity, and Disease. It was written by Robert H. Lustig, and Lustig is L-U-S-T-I-G. He's an MD and an M-L-S-L. And I started sharing with you how um, the farm bill that started in the 30s is still affecting our food supply even to this day, and I'm going to pick up where I left off with that. So a recent report entitled Apples to Twinkies comparing the federal subsidies of fresh produce and junk food documents a five-year allocation of $16.9 billion, with a B, for corn and soy syrups and oils versus a total of $262 million, with an M, for apples. At the individual level, that is $7.36 per year for junk food, worth, worth in Twinkies, 19 of those, and $0.11 cents per year for apples, worth a quarter of one apple. Or as Michael Pollan succinctly put it, if you've got $1 to spend on food, are you going to buy 1,200 calories of potato chips or 200 calories of carrots. A total of 190 billion or two-thirds of the farm bill is used for nutrition programs primarily for the indigent such as SNAP, WIC, and Emergency Food Assistance Program and the National School Lunch Program, or the NSLP. 
The goals for these programs are all the same. Provide cheap nutrition with all of the subsidized excess food. For instance, WIC, which is Women, Infants, and Children, was created to prevent failure to thrive in babies born to poor mothers. Unfortunately, the epidemic of obesity in poor children is the equal and opposite reaction. Until 2007, fruit juice was in the WIC portfolio, but fruit was not because fruit juice was cheap and fruit was not. Indeed, frozen orange juice is traded on the commodities exchange, but fruit isn't. Even though fruit is now available through the WIC program, kids and mothers are still voting with their feet and choosing fruit juice anyway for convenience and reward. The final and most insidious reason is that bad-mouthing the food industry or the farm bill is the third rail in American politics because it's all about Iowa. Iowa is the first presidential contest for both parties and that means that no one wants to disrespect corn or any corn-based product. In May of 2011, I shared the dais with an with a Culinary Institute of America meeting with Sam Cass, and Cass is spelled K-A-S-S, of Michelle Obama's Childhood Obesity Task Force. Cass is not just any old chef. He's a very good-looking, smart, eloquent, and charismatic dude. I got 20 minutes alone with him, and he admitted to me that everyone in the White House, including the President, had read the New York Times Magazine article is Sugar Toxic, which came out in April 17, 2011, in which our USSF research is featured. They wish me well, and they will do absolutely nothing to help. Not a plug, not a wink, not a nod, nothing, because they don't want the fight this administration has enough enemies and I'm on my own and you are on your own as well. The designation of a food additive is generally regarded as safe, according to GRAS, by the FDA, according to food manufacturers, to use any amount of it in food preparation without concern. Food was, uh, sugar was afforded GRAF status back in 1958, owing to its natural origin and long history of use rather than to any scientific or toxicological analysis. In 1983, the FDA granted GRAS or GRAS status to high fructose corn syrup as well. Under pressure from a committee from the Federation of Experimental Biology, the FDA commissioned a, quote, final report on the effects of sugar on health led by Walter H. Glinsman, and Glinsman is spelled G-L-I-N-S, M-A-N-N, -N, a food scientist and FDA 
administrator and now on the board of directors of the Corn Refiners Association. Coincidence? He's thinking not. The authors of the 1986 report affirmed that the high fructose corn syrup is as safe for use in food as sucrose, corn syrup, invert sugar, the broken down product of sucrose. The report also concluded that fructose is a valuable traditional source of food energy and there is no basis for recommending increases or decreases in its use in the general food supply or in special dietary products. In fact, the only problem sugar afforded humans was tooth decay and that was easily solved by water fluoridation. There are three problems with this determination. First, the data came way before the sugar glut. The report correlated are were based on the 1980s average sugar consumption of 40 pounds of sugar per year per person, which accounted for 200 calories per day, well within the American Heart Association upper limit of recommendations. We are now at 130 pounds per person per year. Second, the authors of the report were looking at obesity and not metabolic syndrome. The term didn't even, hadn't even been coined until 1988, and the fructose does not specifically cause obesity. It turns obesity into metabolic syndrome. Lastly, like Ansel Keys, they had no way to separate the effect of fat from the effect of sugar. In other words, they just plain missed the boat, which is understandable considering that the science available at the time. But things have changed. Obesity is rampant and people are dying. Nonetheless, the FDA reaffirmed its stance in 1996 and again in 2004 in response to our argument over the toxicity of sugar in the journal Nature. The FDA spokesperson publicly stated that there was no plans to revisit the issue. Other countries have also turned a deaf ear to the concerns about sugar. The European Food Safety Administration, also known as the EFSA, issued a statement in 2010 that it found no scientific evidence to recommend a limit on the amount of sugar people should consume. And um, tomorrow I'll be getting more into sugar tariffs and crony uh, and crony capitalism. With that, I'm going to take us off mute so we can say goodbye to each other. Like I said, this is some of that history and science behind how some of these things happen. If you're looking to build a new skin business, scoot over to Facebook, One Team Global Live, and one of our leaders will be sharing information on how to build that new skin business. I'm going to take a soft mute so we can say goodbye to each other. So there we have it, my friends. We, we have... Um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, my goodness. 
You know, and the fact that everybody's kind of turning their blind eye to the fact that sugar is not really good for us and some forms of sugar are even worse than others, which is a sad thing to think. And it's in everything, you know. Oh, I know. It is. It is in everything. Okay, well, you have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Oh, I will. Oh, absolutely. I'm looking forward to sharing the next section. It's, it looks like it's going to be very interesting indeed. So with that being said, if there's no other questions or comments or thoughts about um, future topics, I'm going to let everybody go so you can have a wonderful day. Don't forget to get in that 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise. It's really one of the lifestyle changes that's important to include as well as getting that sugar out of our diet. And with that being said, this is Susan Mann for March, or not March, April 14th, not April 14th, February 14th. 2021, Valentine's Day, signing out, and I wish you all a wonderful Valentine's Day. Thank you. Same to you. You as well. All right, dear. Have a good one.